Hello. Demi. Or Jamie. Whatever. <laughs> yes. It's uh, Ronnie's Aftik in the house from uh, Tailbone Talks and Tailbone Shop. And we got a special guest today, um, Jamie Boutin. And what are your pronouns also? She, her. She, her. And we have our wonderful uh, co-host and co-producer, Logistics Daddy, Soccer Mommy. Yes. <laughs> That's a cat. Wow. Yes. Uh, can you pass it over to the producer? Yeah. The yeah. Just like left the cat there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hi. 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 It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Jamie. Andre. Hi, Pony. Hi. Me. Yes. Hi. How's it going? Good. Your pronouns. Your oh. zodiac sign. Zodiac and what you ate for breakfast. Uh, pronouns he slash they. Um. What I had for uh, uh, zodiac sign, Taurus. What I had for <laughs> breakfast, mushrooms and um, salad and um, um, tahina. Yes, yeah. We don't want to have some issues with copyright, so that. Oh yeah. You take out the <laughs> no background. Oh yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yes. yes, and this is uh, the first recording of um, season two of Tailbone Talks, where we Yoo-hoo! talk, Ooh. and James actually, uh, uh, we had such a good time last time, and it felt like too short, so we brought you back. Um, That's true, it felt too yes, short. Yes, it did feel too short. Uh, at the time, you were living in the Netherlands, and now you live in Brussels. Yes. And we tell our listeners a little bit about you. Okay. I'm feeling a bit shy today. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I like the uh, Ronnie said. So I'm gonna confuse names. Uh, I'm Jamie <laughs> Butin, and my pronouns are she/her. I'm a Pisces. Yeah. And I ate a sandwich for breakfast. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I moved from Amsterdam to Brussels a year ago. Yeah. Uh, because I got a uh, job at the European Sex Workers' Rights Alliance, and we wanted to be in Brussels to be closer to um, the European Parliament, mm-hmm. to be able to influence some decisions at the European level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a sex worker. Yeah. Actually, I'm first and foremost a sex worker mm-hmm. and a sex workers' rights activist. Um, and I uh, do different kinds of sex work. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I want to make money, I do full service, mm-hmm. like escorting. I also do some BDSM. And I work with people with disabilities as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I want to spend money, I, do, <laughs> I make porn. <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, I have a lot of fun. Yeah. It's not always easy, yeah. but uh, I love it. Yeah, really excited yeah. also to talk about, um, especially the creative and the logistical part of that endeavor. Yeah, well. and yeah. And before I forget, yes, I'm also part of a whore choir. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you were telling us this before we sat down. We said we have to. Um, of course, you're gonna do a, a live song for us on the air. Yes, of course. <laughs> 
Um, how many people are in your horror choir? I think we're six or seven, so we're not. It's the very small choir. Yes. Um, but like I said, with sex workers, you have to start s slow. Yeah. And it's a choir that was uh, set up by Utsopi, which is the sex worker-led organization in Belgium. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really nice to have, uh, like, to connect with other sex workers in a just fun and more light context, and at the same time, kind of political because we are. They are on stage showing ourselves. Mm. Uh, the idea is also to go to demonstrations with the choir. So, mm. so it's, uh, yeah. And you have red umbrellas also with you. And we have, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so good. Um, I think uh, Andre had something for us too that we want to read a bit to kind of get the conversation started about porn. But first... Um, Yeah, I would love a little introduction from you as well. Right. Um, so, um, first of all, I hate introductions or okay. my own introductions. <laughs> yes. Um, other people are fine generally um, with me. Um, let's see. I'm a geek, mm -hmm. sex geek. Um, I work um, in technology, but mostly connected with scientific research or uh, arts education. So, it's like... Um, mostly involved in knowledge management and uh, for the last few months I've been helping out you with Tailbone and kind of shipping mm -hmm. orders and uh, making things that uh, making sure things arrive to people and uh, talking with people in uh, pop-ups which are really fun and yeah. talking about uh, um, sex toys or, or books um, yeah that involve sexuality and um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, yeah, that's about it. I live in Rotterdam, yeah. and I both love and hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and it's nice to be here. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that sums it up. That's good. A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, Maybe, maybe actually, before I read something that they have here, um, it would be it, it, Jamie was mentioning that when you want to spend money, you do porn. Um, that's that's an interesting um, perspective, right? Because then, isn't it connected a lot often or with actually making money, and it's an industry itself. Um, so, why does your Maybe a question that we can ask is like, why does your take on it, on porn, actually makes you lose money rather than make money? And why do you mm. do it? But maybe we can also keep that for later. But No, uh, no, I no, think it's a okay. great question. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I make uh, more alternative uh, porn, queer porn, feminist porn. And for that part of the industry there is not, not like there's no money available so we cannot really and it's also very uh, hard because we I, I like also aesthetic porn political porn uh, but it's very hard to ask for subsidies because it's porn yeah so we are kind of we try to find ways to to um, to make it like a seem like a very arty project 
without mentioning porn, but it, and just mentioning gender and sexuality, bodies. Mm. Um, and actually, we got a, a first, like with the collective that I'm part of, that, uh, that's called The Porn Process, that we started uh, five years ago. Uh, with most of people uh, being in Brussels. Um, we started without money and it's the first residency that we just finished in June that was actually uh, where we could get money for travel and food. Mm. Otherwise, we just uh, always uh, pay from our own pockets. Um, yeah, so that's why it's not, uh, I'm not earning money. Also, it's not, uh, I don't want to... Like we don't always want to have the films on the internet. Some so some films are can be on the internet, and I'm working on this uh, because I produced my first porn recently. Ooh. So I uh, it was actually very fulfilling to be able to pay people for their work because normally we just gather with a bunch of people and yeah. we just do things with what we have. Uh, and there was like oh no actually I. Um, yeah, I want to pay also people for, for their work. And so I also want to see how it, this could be a, a, an entry point to looking at how can I make money with that, like um, selling the film on the queer porn platforms, for example, like Pink Label TV uh, or um, uh, like Trouble Films. Mm. Okay. Like Courtney Trouble, yeah. that you worked with before with them. Yeah, you told me. I'm, I'm really curious to hear more, especially about two things, like a bit about the porn process and this collective. Um, we talked about it a little bit in last season, and I think you had just finished a shoot um, after yeah we talked about it. So for the listeners, if you want to go back to hear the recording, you're very welcome to do that. It's on Spotify. And also about producing your first film. Yeah, I mean, I think well, but you are also producing in the porn process because you all take turns both producing and, okay. Yeah. So maybe yeah. you can start with that. Uh, yeah, so about the porn process. So it's actually, actually started with uh, porn projects. Okay. And we had um, a reflection on, on, on pornography, yeah. and how we relate to it, what turns us on, but we don't really like. Can uh, you say a bit like, who is we, like what kind of makes up this, demo this demographic and the people that you're collaborating with? Yeah, it's like it actually was uh, open to everyone uh, but straight cis men at first, but actually with affinity it became like, um, yeah, mostly like uh, there, there are no cis men now involved, but mm -hmm. actually that's also the goal for next seasons to have... Um, yeah, cis men and also um, AMAP people uh, mm -hmm. involved. Um, and for, for people that may not know, AMAP means assigned male, male at birth. Yeah. Um, and so right now we are a group like mostly women, queer people, there are trans people. Um, yeah, mostly everyone has... speaking still? Yeah, it's yeah, French speaking, yeah. uh, but some, some people have uh, migration background. Uh, some people are racialized, some people are white, some people are sex workers, some people are disabled. Um, so there are a lot of... And actually the last season that we uh, that we had, so the fourth season, mm -hmm. um, so every time we have a season, and that's, a season is like a, a group of people coming together and re like 
starting a reflection, mm -hmm. then shooting, and then making films. And actually, this mm. fourth season is a bit different because the focus was on disability uh, neuroatypy. Can you say that in English? Yeah. Uh, Neurodivergence? Yeah. Neurodivergence. Neurodiversity. Or neurodiversity. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. And also, uh, older bodies, uh, mm. like, yeah. That, that was the focus and also care yeah. how do we care for each other um, and yeah so we are in the process actually one shoot didn't go well during the week of mm -hmm. uh, of shooting so we decided for the, the residency that was supposed to be focused on uh, editing films we decided to actually come back to why like why are we together and what we want to do And uh, and what is what does care mean? How do we want to care for each other in this context of uh, disability, neurodivergence, yeah. and so on? What are some of the, um, I guess, unexpected things that that you learn or that you wanted to do again in this next seat? Like, because you said something went wrong with the photo shoot. Was it logistic or kind of human? Uh, it's interactions both, both. Mm. it's a combination of both and I think because the, the fundamentals of the porn process is that we uh, want to mix roles uh, we want people everyone to be able to kind of take in their hands uh, performance sounds uh, f uh, filming editing um, uh, like uh, production also like so different roles and then we want to, to turn also Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm like my English is a bit gone today, so I'm. Your what? It's I gone? hope it makes sense. My English. Oh, I'm like oh, trying to translate in my head. I think uh, we're all non-native English speakers, so and I think a yeah. lot of our audience as well. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's just really like I'm, uh, good, yeah. I'm bathing in in French right yes, at the exactly, moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, But so because we all want to take different roles, sometimes it gets a bit messy mm. with who does what and who is in charge of what. Um, and so it was a combination of like this non-clarity about roles and also technical and more creative and those to combine mm. and also care. We didn't really manage to care for each other mm. and also emergency of Oh, lights and weather and there's no food and, mm, uh, mm, and mm. so logistics as well mm. and you I think also yeah human interaction on top of that so yeah it's just yeah I mean it happens and I think it's more important to see what you do with this and how you then try like to start a process of repair and taking care yeah uh, than like having something perfect Uh, because it's just not possible because we film we mix uh, images of documentary and performances and some sometimes shoots are prepared and often w they are not we have like big directions but we don't really know what's gonna happen yeah so it's also like very like the idea is also to capture like it as a documentary in a documentary way mm. yes I, i i saw some films from what season was it Where you and you were in the forest. Yeah, the first yeah, one. The first, yeah. Actually, the third one, we won the public prize of the Brussels Porn Film Festival. Oh yes, I want to hear about Ooh. that. Congratulations. So that's really that's really nice after yes. so so much work. Yeah. To have this, uh, like that, people actually like it. They f see themselves in it, in it. Yeah. 
and uh, and they laughed a lot also. That was really nice. Oh, that's yeah. good. Um, that it's my I was hearing you, Jamie, and then one thing that came up to mind is like how sort of the the process of care, the process of caring for the people that work together actually translates into the the images that are then um, that constitute the the, uh, the movies, the films that you put out and um, maybe already your answer that it, that there was a prize and that there is laughter and it's kind of a relaxed kind of um, environment that makes the audience feel good is maybe already um, a, tra um, a result of the process that of care that goes on there in the making of the film. Would you think that's accurate or? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's you can see indeed in the films, and it was uh, it was also interesting to see the, our film uh, shown after other queer porn, like in a in a kind of queer porn film festival, um, because we can feel the group and the collective dynamic, and to make something together. Uh, and to I think care sometimes you, you yeah I think the, the we try but we also have you know like it's also coming together and uh, I was just working on a text for next residency and it's like transforming shit into glitter <laughs> <laughs> kind of the 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 kind of the red thread because it's also how do we transform all the the trauma linked to our bodies and our sexualities that are taking place mm. in this society into something into glitter yeah and along this process there is also like all this uh thing to that we are confronted to allow each other's trauma so it's also you can see that also the the, the vulnerability i think what what you can see in the images is the, mm. is the vulnerability of of people and the group and it is something that you don't often see in other queer porn productions? No, I do. do. I do, but I think when... Uh, because that's actually a good link with my the, the porn I produced. I think uh, even in queer porn, a lot of porn is um, is uh, di like more directed. There, mm -hmm. there is like a really a scene. Mm. Um, so we can see that there are some elements that are more... Um, yeah like more constructed mm -hmm. but of course like also at the at the Brussels Porn Film Festival we saw really amazing porn that was showing this vulnerability uh, but I think it's just everyone has their different process and I think doing it in a collective with sex involved is something that is rarely done because it's just very challenging right and that's what we saw with this failed shoot and that and then also the repair process, how much time it takes to actually um, yeah, repair links and, and relationships and, and support uh, each other. Yeah. Also, so the, the, basically the relation that you have with each other in the porn process is almost like um, it's a collaboration, a creative collaboration. So it's not someone that's a paid actor. And I wonder what role like professionalism has in it and, and if it's like deliberately like against professionalism or it's uh, for a kind of DIY culture um, 
because I think it was also in a way for everyone involved an exercise in making so I wonder what your thoughts are on that yeah it's totally I think we 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 mentioned that we say that it's like DIY films yeah um, so I think there is a um, really a willingness to not be like as pro- like that professional yeah um, but it doesn't mean that we don't want money to be able to do <laughs> so what? we also and we also try to find sources like also like we recently started to organize uh, screenings also to have actually a space where we can screen our movies yeah. because otherwise except in alternative porn film festival there is not really a space because it's porn so yeah um so also to create our space not only to be able to show our movie but also to be able to ask money from the people to get because to yeah to finance uh, ourselves and, co- and continue and keep like yeah what do you think is the role of porn actually like um yeah maybe it's a big question i see by your face life but death yeah <laughs> meaning of life <laughs> because also like you're coming together to create something and I guess that maybe all of you have a different idea of what is the ultimate goal in terms of what the um, the film, the effect that it should have on the audience, like it, to move people, to make them horny, to have them feel represented. So how do you, um, yeah, what is it, the main purpose for you? Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because you of, we often talk about this when we strike, when we um, edit the films, what what do we want to do? What yeah. do we want to provoke? And because we do that also collectively, we often have different answers. For me, I think I'm really uh, it's turning on people. I also really like that there is a combination of sex and laughter. Yeah, I think it's so important to also mm. make it light and to also. Uh, I like to ha- when they, ha- they are beautiful images like to it's also for me a way to show different bodies and different sexualities uh, for people that never see themselves represented on screen so to see that it's possible that it's light that there are certain practices also it's important for me to show uh, uh, safe sex mm. or safe sex mm-hmm. um, like using condoms or gloves for example yeah. Uh, or and also to show consent and dialogue so there is uh, yeah I think that's the role of porn in general that's yeah and and pleasure and excitement like physical mm. arousal it's really nice actually to talk to people after screening a movie because everyone is like has red cheeks <laughs> like, like, <"Ooh." laughs> uh, yeah and then that also talks to the fact that for the better or for the worst porn is actually the most uh, prolific sex educator in uh, or sex education tool out there uh, because essentially there's a lack of um, sexual um, sexual education in kind of yeah. in our educational um, facilities but also online etc etc unless you are a sex geek and are willing to dig and find uh, the places but if you're horny in 20 or 18 um, you're gonna go to the most readily available sources um, that turn you on essentially and uh, yeah and as you're saying um, portraying for instance um, bodies that are often not represented or safer sex practices then kind of almost becomes a responsibility of uh, porn productions yeah um, totally and, and and those that avoid that don't take that route actually are doing 
or missing out on the opportunity to do a proper sex education yeah. when they're like I know that you didn't want this role of being a sex educator you want to be an entertainer or film adult film producer but hey <laughs> that's yeah. your role right now mm. because the rest of society is not taking that into it on yeah hand. but it's really what you said that about um, that porn is a money-making industry so who like who is watching porn and, and can like is is the main uh, audience that enable the industry to make money um, is yeah there are not no real interests for for this mm. But it's also, this industry is also shaping what people are interested mm. in. So yeah. it's like, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and not only what people are interested in, but also how people see themselves and they see that they need to be X, Y, Z and have a bleached asshole to sort of be attractive or <laughs> whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or they have to have sex without condoms or any kind of things to sort of be the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in the meantime, forgetting to actually enjoy and having a good and safe time with their partners. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, but it's interesting. Sort of, I was uh, a couple of days ago looking at these Gisli um, compilations of uh, uh, stories from um, sex workers and porn actors, and com it's, com it's called "Coming Out as a Porn Star," I believe. Yeah, I can great, find it. Great at, book. Yeah, it's a great book. So it's a series of uh, stories narrated by their um, main characters, kind yeah. of these sex workers, about sort of coming out to their families and to their friends, etc., etc. In society, um, and there's the introduction. Uh, there's a foreword. Sorry, and I forget now the name of the author. I cannot look it up quickly. Yeah, can we? I would love for us to take a little uh, break and then come and then start yeah. again with this quote okay. because I think yeah. it's a perfect transition. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good idea. Let's Great. do that then. Okay, let's put okay. a little song on. Okay. Ooh, and we're hello, back. hello, hello, we're back. <laughs> hello, hello. Thanks for taking a short break with us. Yeah, and we're still back with uh, Jamie Boutin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we're talking about porn. Um, so at the uh, where we left it. Um, I was about to read this um, foreword from um, Coming Out as a Porn Star, the, the compilation of texts by um, porn performers by Jit Lee. And there's a foreword by Dr. Miller-Young, and probably butchering their name. Um, but essentially, this is quite an interesting part there that I wanted to read to you, and maybe it will bring up some questions and some ideas and some topics for discussion. So that says, um, and uh, uh, excuse my dyslexia. So um, it says like, the sex panic around porn is of course convenient. It distracts from more complex questions of what kind of sexual morality should be embraced in today's democratic nations. Why so many people choose to work in the sex industry instead of more acceptable areas for labor and how exactly youth come to gain an education about sex and sexuality in the age of abstinence-only instruction and the repeal of legal and monetary support for comprehensive sexual health resources and information. So, in other words, sort of... Um, <laughs> yes, we're yeah, we're pretty fucked. Yes. Um, and not literally, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 
the sum up, but essentially it's kind of this idea that porn becomes this, the escape goat for the rest of society when it comes to sexuality. It's like, oh, this is bad and we're not doing anything better than it. So don't <laughs> look there. Yeah. But there's no other nowhere else to look at. Yeah. It's mm. like, okay. Um so h- how do you feel about do you feel that this is accurate in your um view or like mainstream porn and sort of Yeah, I think it's um, like actually recently I started to dive into certain categories of mainstream porn. Mm-hmm. And there is also there a lot of diversity and it's also very interesting to see how people just took something that is turning on other people and just and focusing on this like I was watching recently wrestling porn wrestling and I was just porn? wrestling like oh wrestling, wrestling. okay <laughs> and actually I really like that I found it very uh, exciting like people were like um, turn on people were wrestling and there's there's no need for sex in mm. this thing mm-hmm. um, and I'm there are like productions company that just do wrestling porn <laughs> Um, yeah but the the no alternative to most mainstream porn yeah I agree like I um, don't know if I have more to add on this we talked you you mentioned a bit about um, exploring care with your porn collective and it felt like almost um you know almost like ridiculous to even mention that it doesn't feel like there is care in most porn sets or most porn productions um i don't know if you feel that's the case um um and also how you see porn like changing um Um, actually care i think it really depends uh because i've uh, heard from people who are doing more mainstream porn that there is a kind of form of care between uh, per- the performers mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes I can capture that even yeah. in like rough porn yeah. that people are actually checking with each other mm-hmm. and it's almost invisible to the camera because they have to uh, keep the the performance of the power dynamic uh, going um, but yeah from the porn producers uh, and directors I like I actually don't know myself like uh, mm. how it's filmed uh, what's the background in mainstream porn but it's I, I know for some people even in some like more feminists like people that are calling themselves more feminist porn uh, producers there are often some big like breach in consent and mm. respecting boundaries of performers and paying performers well and also uh, dif- having different uh, pace for white performers and uh, performers mm. of color, for example. So these, those are all the things that I heard, yeah, from people who are uh, working in more mainstream porn. What was, oh, what was your experience um, now producing your first porn? And how, yeah, what motivated you to do it? And what was, what, what is it? Like, where can we see it? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you want to do it again? Like how? Yeah, how was it for you? It was not easy. Okay, that's the. At the I think that's mm-hmm. what I can say. 
it was very interesting though mm -hmm. uh, to I think it, what was challenging is that I uh, basically two performers were coming from the Brussels, Brussels uh, Porn Film Festival so I asked them hey do you want to perform together mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we said yes but I don't want to take care of the logistics and I was like okay then I'm gonna I'm gonna do that And the things that I think I was at too many uh, spots. I was at production, in production, direction, and performance. Uh, it's a bit mm. too much. Okay. Uh, but it's great. I mean, it was a good thing to learn and also to see, oh, what do I want to make? Because it was like more, we tried to direct it more. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, yeah, trying to be like, oh, we want to be more professional, so that's how it should be done. But actually, mm. that's not really what I enjoy in porn. When I mm. when I perform in porn, I enjoy uh, sex. I enjoy sex in front of a camera. I enjoy connection. I I enjoy being like not thinking actually, but and also when I film, like to show the people the beauty of what's going on there of mm -hmm. sex. Mm -hmm. What I think I see sometimes in my in my bedroom that I that I want to actually show to mm. the rest of the yeah. world <laughs> and. Um, And I think there are very nice images, uh, but I wonder how to do uh, the process differently. And also I really realize that I have no background in, in filmmaking. Mm. So that's sometimes also challenging. I need to rely on people who have more experience on that, also for logistics and technical support, but also just uh, writing a scenario. It's yeah. not that easy. Right. Um, and directing, it's also not something I, I'm used to do. Yeah, it's actually interesting because it's almost what you're saying of this idea of being able to capture those moments, those thrilling and exciting moments that go on in your bedroom, but when you're in a set with like three performers, one camera, one production person, another light person and sound person, and you want to still be able to capture that moment of mm. reality and excitement that is not scripted and vulnerability and vulnerability mm. exactly um and this has a lot of links with documentary filmmaking um and sort of mm. how do you capture those moments totally. of people mm. and their vulnerabilities and their like uh, um, the essence of whatever they are whoever they are and whatever they do um And it's very interesting. It sort of becomes kind of this documentary cinema. It's just the only thing that changes is that the subject yeah. um, that is being portrayed is the sexual interaction between people. Uh, people being horny and excited about that. Uh, yeah, it actually, uh, because you point out something like sometimes people refer to pornography as a genre. But for me, yeah. it's not a genre because it's, you can make pornography in very different ways. Mm. And so it's like a topic, but it's oh, for me it's not a it's yeah. not a genre. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it makes sense, but no, no, it, yes, does. it does. It does. It's more like a yeah. category of content. Yeah, um, exactly. Like yeah. A, uh, contains it's explicit acts, yeah. and uh, yeah. but it could be fiction, sci-fi, porn, or documentary, documentary porn, yeah. uh, or horror porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Mm. Um, And of course, I mean, here in Rotterdam, there's not, not like a porn uh, film festival or anything like that, although there's a big uh, there film festival. Be, there, there should, should be, there should be, yes. Yeah. I mean, there is, is no, no, nothing in the Netherlands 
it's time to uh, mm. it's time to create one and and for myself I also haven't been in, in a porn festival but uh, or especially a queer porn festival that sounds like quite exciting what is the mood sort of people are going from one movie to the next movie to the next movie and being kind of a bit horny and a bit like oh and because of course everyone will know about each other what's the the situation what is the environment like uh what is the noise i think it's warm doing something okay okay it's not test. like uh, you putting some humming songs <laughs> or we're gonna do some <laughs> or uh, farting uh, throat gar- uh, what's it called um, throat singing in throat the background singing. no Um, but to answer your question Andre um, I think that's that's the thing it's a lot like the queer porn uh, environment is quite small and it's often the same people as well Mm -hmm. and they do collaborations together so it's actually not always easy to get in Um, uh, but yeah people go they they go from one movie to another so it's also quite interesting to see different movies and like being aroused with a bunch of people around us there's Uh, no like play space on the side or something that's why there is a like at the Brussels Porn Film Festival there was a a play party Um, and yeah like also some meetups it's a moment to also network to see what other people are doing and to yeah to also talk to other performers just like Logistically, it also helped me to know. Oh, okay. And what do you do with contracts? And uh, and how do you make this? And how would you shoot this? And how did mm. you shoot that? Mm-hmm. And so, it's just mm. that's yeah, interesting to see. And also yeah. be inspired. And and also, I'm thinking that I guess um, cause a question about distribution because then, like, I some of your movies that you made also with the porn process. Okay, so you're showing them at the film festival. Where else can people see them other than like uh, film festivals? Yeah, there's a thing with the porn process. There are a lot of people who don't want to be on the internet, so we yeah. decided to not put the films on the internet. Yeah. Uh, but for example, the movie I produced, yeah. I like it's in in the editing phase right now. Um, it's moving with a with a dog. I mean, with a human dog. Okay, like a pet, <laughs> like, like a, a puppy, like a puppy, puppy play, puppy play. Oh, puppy play. play. Um, um, but oh, the puppy doesn't manage to uh, woof, so oh. she needs to be trained. Oh, you know. Oh. Are you so the trainer or the other person? The I'm the I'm the owner. Oh. So I'm taking I'm the Barbie girl who is taking her puppy like her puppy to, to puppy school to the to the train to the trainer. <laughs> and this film I I. I I would like to have it on uh, on queer porn platforms. So like yeah. the, like I said, Trouble Films, yeah. Pink Label TV. I think there are others in Berlin. I'm not really good with names. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. I think people can yeah. make their Google searches. Well, we'll do. We'll do. Also, we have links. And yeah, it would be nice to provide links because yeah. also yeah. people ask me yeah. about where can I find those kind of films. I yeah. want to see them. Yeah. yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about the technical. Um, limitations of like basically um, showing the content that you're making uh, especially under you were talking to Jamie about this right so this is the problem of publishing essentially um, and 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 kind of in this digital age and putting it things online 
um, when the most the biggest platforms for a user generated content like say Instagram or YouTube are owned by these big tech companies Facebook and Google that are extremely sex negative um, oh yes um, <laughs> so how do you navigate that do you if you want to make something accessible to a large audience do you go to an alternative platform do you try to circumvent and find the loopholes within the big um, uh, platforms like for instance spelling sex as 3x instead of um, yeah or yeah. porn omitting the o things like that yeah for example porn like we remove like we try to not have the o of porn never mm -hmm. mm -hmm. or, or the e of sex uh, yeah, there's a, like the different strategies to contour, like to go around uh, censorship. But we had like, we had a huge crowdfunding campaign that was shut down without any notice, because it was about porn. So mm. we lost all the money that were people uh, put in it. So it was uh, yeah, and we got like our social media platform shut down several times, and we're definitely not the only one, yeah. on the only ones. So there is the idea of at some point producing, like making our own uh, platform for our movies. Uh, and yeah, we actually uh, talked with André when, when we started talking about this, the radio show, uh, because uh, André is a sex geek. And a techie. To how to, like where can we host our platform on, in, on places where it's not gonna be uh, shut down, just uh, yeah. So this is something a bit of a uh, an old debate, and essentially the, the 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 problem goes like these platforms, the big ones, leave off out the content that we produce, but they also own it, and so they mm. can definitely decide to shut down your crowdfunding campaign. They can decide mm. to shadow ban you. Uh, because your images are XYZ according to their policies. They can do everything they want. But at the same time, we're feeding them the content that we're producing. Um, and uh, has been a movement a few years ago, for instance, mainly on Twitter and people that were quite upset of being um, bullied and uh, discriminated. And Twitter was being used quite a lot by sex workers, and I think yeah. it still is. Mm -hmm. uh, and people started migrating to these distributed and federated platforms in, uh, for, micro, for micro blogging called Mastodon, uh, which rather than being owned by one central authority, is something that can exist within, like, I can have host one at my own house. There could be um, Worm can have another one, another collective can be have another one, and the content is um, our, our mm -hmm. yeah, either by the users or by the person that maintains the collective that maintains that platform. So one, for instance, one example of this uh, is Mastodon, which is an alternative to Twitter, um, and another one is PeerTube, which is another to YouTube. Mm -hmm. So um, thanks for sharing, Andre. Yeah, but the problem, the big problem there, is that you don't get it's a pretty niche and alternative thing, um, which is mostly like very tech savvy people that are on those platforms. Yeah, and I guess the moment also it becomes more mainstream, there is the risk of 
of it being bots or not having the capacity, the technical capacity to to to, to follow. Right. There was also like a, an alternative Twitter, I think, uh, owned by sex workers that was recently um, uh, that had to shut down because they were forced to comply to some regulation. Right. I think it's, uh, it was a Mastodon instance, I think, out in Australia. can't remember Yeah, I name. think it was Australia. Oh. Um, yeah. So, but that is... What happened there? Well, I f- if it, essentially, I don't know the full story, but essentially it's the national regulations that then um, would be applied over the content that you're hosting on that country. So you have to have a computer, a physical computer, where images and texts are, mm-hmm. are stored. Uh, and if the law and the authorities of that given country say you're not allowed to store and distribute that kind of material then they can really uh, physically Mm. force you to remove that but that's still on your own ownership Mm. so that's the, 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 the good part of it is that it's not a platform itself it's just a piece of open source software so it's you, then it's not going to be bought by a large corporation uh-huh, and then uh-huh. made. You own your infrastructure essentially, okay. but also it's a lot of work to maintain mm. that. But yeah, but it's doable. We yeah. can decide to do it together. Yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where do you see your work um, as? I guess a content. Cr- con- I don't want to say content creator because it sounds like an uh, Instagram uh, influencer. But as a, as a maker as of pornography and also working with other pornography, with um, the advocacy work that you're doing, does it intersect at all? Or, or because you, I know that you advocate for sex worker rights, but um, how th- is it connected to also pornography? Yeah, it's actually when uh, also when Andre was talking, I we we had a we have a whole. Uh, one of my colleagues at the European Sex Workers Rights Alliance, ESWA, uh, is in charge just of digital rights of sex workers mm. uh, because there is a lot of breach of sex workers' rights online with like registration. Uh, already, you, when you, for example, when you produce content, you have to show your ID always next to your face. So it means that the platform actually knows your uh, official name. Mm. So in that context, it can be dangerous for like you never know how exactly they are going to use this information right uh, and actually just now uh, recently SWA managed to um, push back an amendment of a law proposal that was uh, forcing sex workers to add their phone numbers to uh, in porn platforms mm-hmm. uh, and this was like done thanks to a lot of lobbying uh, f- like starting from SWA but with a lot of other organizations um, what is the um, um, what does that do? I guess to have to have that you have to have your phone number. I mean, it's again like a breach in, in privacy. You don't necessarily want them to know. Oh, your so phone you work to, to to not have to this, erase it, yeah. not to have it. Okay, yeah. not to be registered with your yeah. ID. Like we are like okay, yeah, ID yeah. is already enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you need to ask phone numbers? You yeah. know, because you never know if there is a breach of. Uh, a leak somewhere yeah. of information then people like have and all your, your privacy can, yeah. information and the link between your your official self and your uh, professional, perform- self. Like, and yeah. your professional yeah. self and that's actually that's something that I think most sex workers try to separate as much as possible yeah. 
Um, and that's mostly, from what I understood, they tried to separate it for logistical and safety reasons because there's still yeah. a lot of um, harm and violence towards sex workers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like for example, my name that I, the name that I use today is my performer name, yeah. but I have another name for work. Uh, like I have different names actually for yeah. work and and all those my are not my passport name for sure. Yeah. Um, also, the name that I use for the shop and for now the radio is not my passport name. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think it, 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 like even you as a, yeah. as a sex toy seller, yeah. you can be uh, like penalized. Nev- yeah, you never know where this can go. You know, yeah. and you can be penalized exactly. Yeah. Or the target of some random person. Yeah. That, exactly. Uh, that decided that that yeah. was against their morals. Yeah. Something you know. that you wrote to us that was really beautiful is that, you know, you believe that sex work and porn make sex workers make the world a better place even though the world doesn't make it better for sex workers <laughs> yeah um yeah i think so yeah yeah i think there is a lot of magic about like in sex work when between sex workers actually we are right now at work we are organizing a, a sex worker congress in october mm-hmm. in brussels wow beautiful um so sex workers but also allies in different organizations are, are welcome to join uh, and it's really like I was selecting, I was working on selecting the workshops and there is so much, uh, like I'm so looking forward to have, to having like all the sex workers together exchanging knowledge and care practices and also meeting each other because uh, sex work is, can be very isolating mm. um, and and to to cry together, to congratulate each other when there is something that we managed to push like for example just today I, I learned that in uh, Catalonia there is uh, they are rejecting the Swedish model which is the criminalization of clients and it's it's huge because Spain is um, in general in Europe there is a, a move like a push towards the criminalization of clients because of course sex workers are just the victims mm. like we can never see be seen at, as uh, people who make who have a agency and make their own decisions yeah uh, so sex workers are the victims so we need to criminalize the clients that are of course all perverts uh you know in the in the mainstream narrative yeah. um and so there is a push towards uh criminalization of clients and this model and actually the push and sometimes our biggest enemies come from within the feminist movement mm. um which yeah like trying to protect you or in what in yeah, yeah like saying that sex work is in, is not cannot be feminist right um and you've also done a lot of work i mean you made um like a report on migrant sex workers during covid and um yeah and it was it was uh, some years ago yeah. yeah i did a report on migrant sex workers situation of migrant sex workers in the netherlands yeah Um, actually, that was my first work for S1, and then I got to, I got to know them, and then yeah, uh, had the interview. But right now, I'm at S1. I'm mostly focusing on on health yeah. and well-being. So I'm doing programs on uh, mental health. Right now, we are developing a, a training for uh, therapists about sex work. Yeah, uh, we're organizing also in December. We're gonna uh, um, a retreat for sex workers in burnout. Yeah. Uh, to, because it's really something like you talked about money uh, Andre yeah. like before like also within the sex worker movement there is very little money available and it's just such a sensitive topic uh, 
um, like sex it's just yeah, yeah you can see how people are, get so uncomfortable and sex work like you mix money and sex woo. Um, mm. so it's it's hard to find money so a lot of sex workers burn, uh, burn out and then they also they are different like there are as many forms of sex work as sex workers themselves almost or ways of working yeah. we all have different backgrounds like our priv- different levels of privileges and or um or uh, opri- or forms of oppressions so it's such a diverse movement that it's like there are some difficulties like gathering everyone together and that's why also I think the events such as the congress are so important to acknowledge that even within the sex worker movement we are not all uh, the same and, co- and, and facing the same issues yeah. as well um, like and and you see like activists are usually the most privileged sex workers like me mm. because we have the time and the resources uh, to engage in activism but we're also then less representative than the majority of sex workers mm. uh, who cannot afford doing activism they're just mm. like who are yeah. trying to survive um, mm. day to day that was my pamphlet <laughs> that was great I love that um, yeah I feel like th- we are um, finishing our hour like just on time oh, it was such a was nice so conversation short. I know it was so short I didn't get to ask you about your attachment styles oh yeah, yeah. Okay, when, when maybe year they'll ago, be happy about this <laughs> yeah. one year ago uh, yeah. I was doing the show with Ronnie yeah. and, and she asked me about my attachment style I was like oh my god <laughs> So I'm a, an avoidant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, actually, uh, um, my sister is uh, now studying to become a counselor, and she was saying that that saying you have an attachment style is outdated, and now uh-huh. people are talking about that like different attachment techniques or something because it's not like that you have one. Totally. So, like I was interesting yeah. to do the test and to see you have different attachment styles. I think different depending on the people, mm. and also you. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm working on it do you have anything in that you're um excited about in your in your personal life that um you're looking forward to besides the cloud party tonight with us oh yeah this i'm <laughs> so excited for, uh, for also for the nap that is going to precede this yes. part <laughs> um something i'm very excited for actually i'm yeah it's not uh I don't know, there are so many projects right, right now going yeah. on, but I'm, okay, in, in August, I'm going to go to Montreal to the, for the International HIV Conference mm-hmm. for work, and I'm actually very excited uh, for it, and secretly, I will, I hope I can um, shoot a porn within the conference. Ooh, uh, I really like doing these things in yes. kind of official places and so on. Yeah. So... You will see. Oh, exciting. And where, yeah, so where can the listeners, um, like, find you or follow you or... On uh, Instagram, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> the place to be. Yeah. Or, I mean, handle. we should actually find each other on Mastodont. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your, what's your handle for the listeners that are live right now and they want to... We'll, we'll have all the links of the recorded show. Yeah. But for someone, if someone is live right now and they want to to follow you or to um, I think it's Jamie.Butin. Okay. And if it's not dot, then it's like, you know, the underscore. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, also, we, yeah, also on Instagram, we tagged you um, 
yeah. in the take our me, post. Take me. Yeah. And um, this was so nice. Andrew, do you have any closing questions or remarks? No. No. no not I wish at I all. had time to ask you questions Ooh, about yes. the shop and well, your work. <laughs> but we're going to continue well, this conversation. I guess I can say that our handle um, yeah. is uh, Tailbone. Well, no, actually, our Instagram handle is Tailbone N, like the letter N, chill. Um, and our web shop is called tailboneshop.com. And, uh, and Ronnie sells amazing things there. Yeah. So just go and buy a lot of things. Mm, yeah. you, you can actually <laughs> Ronnie, pay yourself for Are you excited about something? Um, I'm also excited for the, the nap and party. And I'm just... Um, Jamie is a good friend of mine. So I am so happy that we also find the time to, to hang out and hear a bit about your work. I feel like every time that we get together... Um, there's just more to uncover, more to talk about. And uh, thank you for listening. If anyone's li listening live right now, we'd love to hear your feedback. And it's also going to be um, available on as a podcast. Yes. yes. Thank you, Ronnie. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Andre, thank as well. Thank you, Jamie. All right. Okay. Kisses.